I don't talk. We're not at the end of the spring carnival anymore, which I think is a great thing. The end of the Melbourne Cup carnival. It used to be sort of close the doors, head to the bush, and the message to everyone was, "We're done." Is go back to your other sporting activities. There's this beautiful period in the back half of November that racing should be occupying. I've long made that case with you. So the first attempt at that is the thousand is the Caulfield Thousand on Saturday. Two Group One races repositioned out the back and bumper fields to contest them announced yesterday. This looks like a good starting point. Andrew Jones has been the, uh, he's been the focus of a lot of debate, a lot of friction since coming to the chief executive's position at Racing Victoria, and he is with me in the studio. Andrew, welcome to the program. Thanks, Jared. Great to be back. Have you got some personal capital in Saturday's Caulfield Thousand? Yes, we do, um, but really it's about trying to grow Victorian racing and there was very clear rationale for moving the 1,000 guineas from a Wednesday to this Saturday and for moving the Rupert Clark to this Saturday and for adding a country final, um, which was to extend the spring into um, the better weather part of the year, um, the time of the year where there's less competition from other sports and also the time of the year that comes right after um, the Melbourne Cup Carnival, which for a lot of people is the first time they engage with racing for the year. And we wanted to make sure that they um, had something to come to next, um, having enjoyed what was a magnificent carnival at Flemington. The naysayers said there'd be no horses left and you were asking too much to campaign through till mid-November. Were you buoyed by the fields yesterday? We're very encouraged. It looks like a very strong Thousand Guineas field. Uh, it looks like it'll be a full Rupert Clark uh, field and um, also a, a full Country Cup final field. So the trainers have voted with their nominations so far, which is encouraging. And um, you know they're very adaptable and and um, and you know they're attracted by prize money and black type. So we were confident that's what would happen. But we've certainly been encouraged with the results so far. What would represent success on Saturday to you? I think. Um, a, a decent crowd, noting it's year one, so uh, Rome wasn't built in a day, and we're, we're trying to create a new viewing habit among among fans. So we're not expecting, um, you know, a hundred thousand people, but a, a solid crowd would be good. Um, obviously, good and competitive racing, which we we think we'll get, and um, and good wagering. Is this? Uh, so I'll impose a little bit of my view in the question, which you can rebut or whatever, but. Is this as much as you can do to get racing late into November when the ideal, I think, would be to slide it all back? Yeah, good question. We're, we're constantly looking at what, what the best way to optimise the schedule is. And uh, it's tricky because the Melbourne Cup Carnival is so iconic and it's so successful. The four, the four best attended race days in Australia. Everybody knows Melbourne Cups on the first Tuesday of November. Um, you know, it's an ingrained habit amongst Australians. It's hard to move that um, carnival and it's debatable whether it's the right idea or not. I think there are, you know, two sides to that argument for sure. Um, so you've got to think about what can you put on after the Melbourne Cup that makes sense from a racing point of view and, and from a, a sporting narr narrative point of view, you know, what would be climactic after the Melbourne Cup, um, which is uh, so climactic in itself along with, uh, along with Champions Day. Feels like it's been a great spring carnival. Great horses, great races make great carnivals. Um, it feels a bit to me like racing has been able to 
shake some of the negativity, some of the social negativity, some of the negativity of the sport across these few weeks. Have you felt that? Yes, we're really happy. The number one thing was um, fantastic and safe racing. So the horses got around safely and the jockeys got around safely. So huge tick and that really um, underwrites our social license and, and um, is in direct contradiction to the to the the haters, if you like. And so we thank the um, owners, trainers and jockeys for their efforts there and particularly the um, not just the compliance but the promotion of the, the spring protocols uh, for the Melbourne Cup Carnival. Um, and also crowds have come back. You know, the crowds were up 6% at, um, uh, through the, the feature uh, meetings, both uh, metro and country through the, the spring to date. And um, and uh, at Flemington specifically, they were up from, you know, 250 to 260 plus. So very, very encouraging. Did you feel the... Uh, the town was dialed into the Melbourne Cup Carnival in in that old way. I thought, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and having um, lived in Sydney for a long time, there's really no comparison. There's nothing like it in uh, in any any other state of Australia than the Melbourne Cup Carnival. It takes over the public imagination, and people come from all directions. They come from all over the world um, to enjoy four amazing days, and and um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I read in the Age today the uh, suggestion that you would like the Melbourne Cup field declared earlier. Is that the case? Oh, oh look, that, 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 that's a discussion question, and it's one to pick up with the VRC. I think that um, you want to maximise the theatre of the race, um, and uh, it, it's drawn late uh, because of the Archer. And um, I guess the discussion with the VRC would be: Is the Archer still? Um, uh, maximising its potential as a race and as a as a golden ticket race for the for the Melbourne Cup, which is hugely valuable. So, um, you know, w- we don't have a religious view on that. That, that was really a matter that um, we'd pick up with VRC in the review of the carnival. What would be the benefit of of declaring the Melbourne Cup field say before Derby Day? I think you just get a little bit more uh, exposure and drama. So, standalone events like the Call of the Card, um, you know, are all part of the build up. Um, the barrier draw you could argue it gets a little bit thrown away after Derby Day. Um, you know, people have had a long day already. Um, they're kind of done for the day, Saturday night. So a barrier draw um, is not box office in that time slot, whereas, um, you know, a Friday lunch event, um, you know, that could be a huge event in its own right. Would you need emergencies if that was the case? Uh, um, uh, I'd have to think about that, but but, but potentially. So... Um, you know, there, there are no doubt some logistical challenges, um, but, uh, you know, it's it's really about um, maximising the, the build-up and, and the narrative heading into the race. The Sydney-Melbourne tension, um, do you study the jockeys and the horses that historically would have been at the feature Melbourne days and are now in Sydney because of what's been done there? We, we keep an eye on it. I mean, if... The theory and the, and the reality is, if you've got um, big races on both days, in in both cities, um, two things happen. One is you get a big audience um, because everyone's excited, so it's it's good for fans. But you do split the fields and you do split the talent, um, whether that be uh, trainers or jockeys. Um, so it, it would be nice if we could coordinate on a on a pattern that made sense. But that's not the world we live in. So. Um, you know, we, we just concentrate on maximising um, uh, the engagement of fans in, in the Victorian schedule and, and New South Wales is doing the same. The 
the encroachment, so the the mass dollars that are being thrown at the pop-up races. What is your uh, philosophy around that right now? Look, my philosophy is to control what I can control. And so um, I, I don't worry too much about um, what New South Wales is doing. I, I, um, and I don't worry too much about the, the politics of racing. They, they intrude um, every few months when I have to have a Racing Australia meeting. But um, really, it's about maximising the engagement in, in Victorian racing. And as we saw through the carnival, that's um, off the charts. Would you say at the moment there's there's no desire for a, for a national coming together to find the best result for the actual sport of racing rather than the state by state? Oh, we'd be very happy to, but i say that's not the world we live in. Yep. Was it a great Melbourne Cup? Fantastic. Yeah, I think it was a, a great race, um, a safe race, a uh, lot of intrigue, um, uh, a lot of, you know, good horses, interesting horses, Vorban, I was on the Vorban bandwagon. Um, uh, West Wind blows the Mark Zara narrative, you know, huge call to get off the defending champion. Uh, he obviously uh, could see the cards in both hands and saw uh, two aces in one of them. Um, you know, gold trip um, coming back. It, it was just a lot of interest and it was such a hot day as well. It was, it was a real... Um, staying test in the, in, in, in the way that the Melbourne Cup should be. You know, the, the field was strung out. Um, it, it was a really tough race to win and a, and a very, very good horse won it. A couple of the current issues. So there were a number of races won by horses where the jockey had breached the whip rule and not by accident. Everyone can count to five. They result in a small fines and eight-day suspensions. Does that undermine what the rule actually is. I can't think of another sport that tacitly allows the breach of a rule that provides a competitive advantage. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think um, the first thing to say about the whip rule and the penalties is the stewards did a terrific job. They they um, enforced the rule as it stands and, and they enforced the penalties as, as they stand and, you know, they're very clear and ag- agreed with the VJA and published on our website and so forth. So uh, that was all handled perfectly. Um, then the second question is, uh, are the rules the right rules? And, and um, the whip rule itself, you know, we're on record as saying it should be a, a fixed number of uses um, and at a lower level than it is now, we would like to see between five and eight permitted uses per race. And then that takes a, a lot of the angst out of it. Um, you know, for example, when uh, Mark Zara was penalised, he, he actually used the whip f- on fewer occasions than uh, um, James McDonald did in the Cox Plate. It's just the allocation between pre to uh, last hundred metres and during the last hundred metres was was different. And and Zara breached the rule and McDonald didn't. So so that rule doesn't quite work. Um, and then. Um, whether the penalties are adequate is, I, I guess, a matter of reasonable deba- debate. There would be a school that says, no, um, a, a, a hefty financial penalty is appropriate, and there would be a school that says, look, you know, um, a, a penalty in race would be more appropriate, a demotion or, or what have you. If So if the number was empirical, and the way it's written, the number is empirical, um, if the jockey faced disqualification, if he breached that rule, do you think jockeys who can clearly count to five would use the whip more than permitted? I oh, look, I'm not an expert on riding horses, so I'd have to talk to the Jockeys Association about that. But I think there's 
you know, th- th- there is a legitimate school of thought that you would say, right, maybe not DQ, but demotion or a, or a time penalty, as you might in a in a, in a different uh, format of racing. Um, but um, you know, that's it's probably a low level issue. I think it's not a it's it's not in our top ten issues that we're looking at. So I, I think the the bigger issue for us is is making sure that the 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 national whip rule um, gets reformed over a period of time. But, but again, that's caught up in, in national politics. Has it been a mistake to have such a public hearing around the Jamie Carr white powder inquiry? Uh, look, I can understand that point of view, but um, and, and I won't talk about the specifics of the case, but uh, in, in any disciplinary process, um, uh, the stewards firstly act independently and in, in, in deciding whether to, to lay a charge. And if they lay a charge, then the person charged has the option to accept uh, the charge um, and, and plead guilty and, and essentially uh, accept the penalty offered or do a, a plea bargain. Or they have the option to plead not guilty. And if the offence is in a certain category um, of, of seriousness or deemed seriousness, then it automatically goes into the Victorian Racing Tribunal. Um, and that's a different process that's independent of Racing Victoria. The timing is set by the tribunal, um, not by Racing Victoria. So, um, And you're effectively in a queue with harness cases, greyhound cases, thor- other th- thoroughbred cases. And it gets heard when it gets heard. So, um, you know, I, I know the view's been expressed that... Um, uh, he's done something wrong by having the trial this week. That's nothing to do with us. It's that's uh, that's up to the VRT, and and um, you know our, our goal is um, that that there's due process um, and uh, the rules are upheld. Um, there's due process, and and people have a chance to to make their case and be heard. Is there merit in what the AFL has done, which is an exercise in brand protection? I don't think we should view it as anything else. Is that there's summary judgment in this? Is there are statements of remorse. There's a, a quick suspension, and it in in the cases of um, Bailey Smith and Jack Inman, these matters were dealt with within 48 hours. Yeah, there's certainly a case for more um, types of offences to be able to be heard in in, the, in that way. But also, you've got to put yourself in the in the shoes of the, the party charged in any given case, and and um, they don't necessarily like the governing body being the uh, um, prosecutor and the judge. They say, listen, you can be one or the other, but if you're going to prosecute, then we want an independent hearing, and that's what the, the VRT does. So um, uh, I expect that that's why the VRT was set up in the first place, so um, so the governing bodies and all codes aren't marking their own, own homework. So um, that's why an independent process exists, and we're comfortable with that. And, um, you know, uh, having studied law myself, I'm a, a great believer in the rule of law and the right to natural justice and due process. And, and um, you know, our goal is that, uh, is that justice is done, whatever that means. Is it less than ideal that in the glow of the Melbourne Cup Carnival, as Jamie Carr, who's the, the poster jockey for Victorian racing, is then in what amounts to a relatively salacious hearing in, on the day immediately afterwards, the first day of business afterwards? Look, is it ideal? No, it's not ideal. Uh, is it the end of the world? No, it's not the end of the world. I mean, this is not uh, the Middle East peace crisis. This is, this is uh, you know, uh, uh, something that happens in sport um, reasonably frequently. Um, Jamie's a fantastic rider and... Um, and uh, she's already back and and uh, riding brilliantly. So uh, whatever the outcome of this case, she'll be um, she's, she'll be 
good as gold soon enough. Andrew Jones, the Chief Executive of Racing Victoria. Andrew, what is the point, what is the place now of the All-Star Mile, given that the, the very gimmick that it was founded on, the public vote, has been removed? Um, it's a good question. Well, it, it, it's got a few purposes. One is to um, uh, improve the schedule in the autumn. And um, in, in a five-year period, it's become our number one rated race in the autumn and also uh, a number one um, race from a, um, a, a fan engagement point of view as measured by turnover. Isn't that simply a mechanism of being the richest race? Uh, well, the the punters don't get the prize money, um, but the prize money does generate a fantastic field. So it gives us a effectively a a, a group one quality mile um, in autumn, which we didn't have before. Um, and it's a really good bridge, and we'll see that this year into the Australian Cup on on two weeks. It extends the the autumn um, uh, deeper into March rather than and finishing on uh, on Labor Day as um, or the Labor Day weekend as as used to be the case. Um, and then it does um, have a, um, you know, different fan engagement mechanism. Um, it has been the vote. Um, uh, we've changed that for a couple of reasons, which I'll come back to. Uh, but now it's got the owner ambassador. So you effectively you go into, into a draw um, and you can still win, you know, um, a material amount of prize money for, for being an owner ambassador. So it still has that fan engagement and... Uh, that, that way to attract new fans to the sport. Um, the issue with the popular vote for the field itself was twofold. One is um, it was unclear to horses and trainers whether they were going to make the field. And so um, it, it made planning difficult and it made it hard to get the best available field. So we didn't like that. And the second thing is um, we were trying to attract new fans, but if you're voting for a horse to get into a race, you need to know something about racing to vote properly. So there was just a, a slight breakdown in the logic there. So we said, look, you know what, wh- wh- why don't we just create a mass competition where anybody can enter and effectively it's it, it's like a sweep um, and, you know, you can win serious dollars for being an owner ambassador and then if your, your horse wins, um, you know, so much the better. Does it, on the Victorian slate, does it now just stand out as it is the one race that doesn't have the history, the tradition and the black type that has the mass dollars, which is the Sydney model, and it has now removed its sort of number one gimmick, which was to, which was the public vote. Would that money not... And I could make the case that it, it cannibalised Super Saturday, which was always the peak moment of that carnival. And we had the two. We had Blue Diamond Day, which was as good as any race day, which I, I don't think has quite held up, and we cannibalised Super Saturday. Is Would that money not be better spent defaulting back to an Australian Cup. You could put a sweepstakes around an Australian Cup and if you bumped it up to $7 million, you'd have a magnificent field. Look, we re- review um, every race every year and particularly the big ones and the expensive ones. Um, you know, there's a school of thought that we could use the money uh, better elsewhere. Um, we haven't formed that view just yet. Um, you know, we think it's a really good race and, and the other thing we've done with the reformatting is to create much clearer pathway to the all-star mile. So, um, you know, I think, and we've talked about it, I think on this show before, um, formatting racing better. So it's, it's easier for, um, sports fans who aren't necessarily racing, hardcore racing fans to understand is really important. So having those winning year in races, the qualifiers, if you like, I think, um, is really important. And we're using the all-star mile to sort of push that 
concept a little bit further. Um, you see it in Sydney with the sports bet sprint series. You know, that's a, that's a series concept, which is, um, it worked pretty well, probably to, to Melbourne's detriment, but that's, that's our problem, not theirs. Um, so that's a good, we think that's a good use of the all-star mile as a, as a grand final in that distance category in autumn, um, with lots of qualifiers starting on Saturday to, to create a lot of interest. Last one. So a few months back, it seemed like there was a, a state of civil war uh, and the pitchforks were at your gate as often as they weren't. Um, do you still feel that? Is there? Have you been able to create any sort of consensus, would you say, in more recent times? Look, that's for others to, to, to say how, that, how they feel. I mean, uh, our job is, is, to, is to grow the sport. And, and uh, I said at the time that... Um, uh, our job is to to analyse and to make the best possible decisions. And we speak to a lot of pe- people, we, we get a lot of input and then we make decisions and, and we're happy to be judged on the results of, of those decisions, including the changes we've made to, to spring um, and um, and other changes that, that, we, uh, that we make in future. At any point, did you feel that there were those plotting against you? Um. As I say, I worry about what I can control, and, and what I can control is the decisions that that um, we, as a management team, make or, or put to the board to make. And um, as I said at the time, if, if you go through life worrying about what other people are thinking and doing, um, uh, you get very stressed and, and drive yourself mad without really um, uh, improving the decisions you make. So you know, we just look at data, we take opinion, we speak to a huge number of people. Um, uh, we understand there's a diverse range of opinions on, on most topics and, and then we try and make the best decision. And as I say, um, we're evaluated on, on, on our results and, and I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Do you think there's a, uh, a growing acceptance that change is necessary from the participants who perhaps at the start had their backs up? Look, in any change process, there's a, you know, there's an adoption curve. Um, you know, a great example is the spring protocols, the medical protocols. Um, uh, in 2020, everybody knew that there was a need for change. Um, protocols were brought in, and despite knowing there was a need for change, a lot of participants found them draconian. Um, fast forward three years with three safe cups. Um, they're well accepted because people are used to them, and also people understand that you know that underwrites the social license of the sport. You know, we do have to um, make racing as safe as, as possible for, for horses and participants. And um, now uh, the attitude towards those protocols have, have changed. So there's always, you know, early adopters, there's fast followers, there's, you know, the people in the middle and there are, there are laggards. Um, um, and that's the case with any change you make. So it's it's just it's just part of the process. So you continue on with your agenda? Yeah, we'll press on and, and, um, and uh, as I say, try and make the best decisions we can to, to grow the sport. Andrew, great to have you in the studio. Good luck for Saturday. Good on you, Jared. Thanks so much. Andrew Jones, the Chief Executive of Racing Victoria. You'll have your thoughts, 0433 98 11 16, and you can call 1300 736 736. Melbourne's home of the ultimate celebration, the Osborne Rooftop and Bar Commercial Road, South Yarra.